Do you know right now how likely you are to run out of money in retirement? Try out our new free retirement calculator at easyretirement.com. That's E-A-S-I retirement.com. Take just two minutes, plug in your income, savings, and expenses, and see where you stand on the path to retirement. E-A-S-I stands for Education, Assessment, Strategy, Implementation. These are the building blocks of a sound retirement plan. You've already got the education part. You're listening to Your Money, Your Wealth. Next, you need to assess your financial wellness. Go to easyretirement.com and pick either the quick two-minute path or the comprehensive eight-minute path. And the free calculator will help you map out your next step, your strategy. Play with the numbers right there in the Easy Retirement Calculator and see instantly how, say, just working one year longer or taking Social Security just one year later could change your entire retirement plan. Start calculating your free retirement plan right now at easyretirement.com. That's E-A-S-I, retirement.com. Try it out. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your feedback. Charles has had it with Joe and Big Al stumbling through the Roth five-year rules. So today on Your Money, Your Wealth Podcast 444, he explains to the fellows once and for all the rules for withdrawing money from a Roth IRA. Plus, is Shane missing any retirement risks before he retires early at age 55? Nick wants to know if employers are required to adopt all of the provisions in the SECURE Act 2.0 or if they can pick and choose which to implement like they can with the Rule of 55. How can Stu offset huge capital gains tax on the sale of an inherited house? And we revisit whether George can move investments in kind from an inherited trust to a brokerage account. Visit YourMoneyYourWealth.com and click Ask Joe and Al on air to get your retirement spitball analysis, to ask your money questions, or to send in your comments. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Charles writes in, he gets a little, little private email to Andy. Is this what's going yeah. on? It, yeah, it came straight to me. I guess he knows that is how to get it on the show. Got it. Okay. Uh, forgive me for being presumptuous. Nicely done, Joe. Killed it. Killed it. Oh, my God. I'm so proud of myself. You must have practiced <laughs> that word. <laughs> uh, but I haven't listened to dozen or so times of Joe and Al explain or stumble through the Roth five-year rules. I can't resist on making this suggestion. There are two five-year Roth rules. Both must be satisfied to distribute funds tax-free. Okay, well, we talk about that every time. I mean, I swear to God, <laughs> I've said that a billion times. I, it, I don't think there was any stumbling over that. Uh, I don't think so either. And furthermore, you can pull money out even if you don't qualify for any of these if it's a contribution. Exactly. You put the money in. I put it in six months ago. I'm 41 years old. Can I take it out? It was a contribution. Yes, yes. it was a contribution. <laughs> can I take out the growth? No. Did I need a five-year clock? No. Oh, there's two five-year clocks. You got to mix that. No. This... It's it, this it's, is it's, super complicated. It's, it's not that complicated. It's so complicated to explain, though. It, well, it is because because there's so many different variations of the rule. Yeah. Let's just hear Charles okay, because so, he's the smartest guy in the room. Right okay. <laughs> First, there's a 59 and a half year rule that must be satisfied for growth. Realize that contribution amounts are always available, but the conversions are not contributions. Okay, we agree with that. And we've said that and how many times? Put a little exclamation point on Like that. we don't know that. Like, <laughs> really? Thanks, Charles. <laughs> that's why there's a second five-year clock for each conversion, but that's another uh, rule, chapter. Rule one. Now, now he's getting in caps. He's getting like, oh, he's getting heated. Because we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> he's getting heated right into Andy. That's why he wrote, wrote to Andy instead of asked Joe and Big Al. Yeah, right. This one is per person rule and applies to growth. 
A person must have held a Roth for at least five years for growth to be available for distribution. Any Roth open in the past and open for five years satisfies this rule for this person. Evermore, Andy, one, important. This rule does not become moot at age 59 and a half. So I just want to mention the fact that there is actually like a footnote. Actually, there's two footnotes labeled Andy one and Andy two. And Andy one says in one show you asked, meaning me, if it had to remain open for the five years or would open and immediately closing it long ago satisfy the rule. According to what Charles read, it must have been open for five years, subsequently closed after the five years, and another opened recently would satisfy that. So, I mean, he's I remember asking that question and it was years ago. He has been listening and like taking notes on everything you guys have gotten wrong for a long time. And he is writing this and he's got cliff notes and (laughs) subtitles and whatever. Right. So so the five year clock for growth does not go away at 59 and a half. Totally agree. And I think we've said that a million times. I think so too. What does go away though, is the five-year clock for conversions, right? At 59 and a half, not for growth, but for conversions. Because there's a five-year clock on each conversion Correct. that you do prior to 59 and a half. See, th- this is why this is so confusing. There's so many five-year clocks depending upon what you're talking about. Rule two, okay. this is per conversion. Rule in applies to that conversion. Each Roth conversion must be held for five years before the conversion looks like a contribution. After the five years, the conversion amount, but not the growth, can be distributed. Note, this rule becomes moot. Joe, this means it's no longer in force at yeah. age 59 and a half. That's what we just said. And we've said that a million times. Well, he's calling me out. You <laughs> son of a gun. Let's go, Chuck. <laughs> I don't know. I get you, you get tangled up trying to explain this stuff. I probably blew it up. So, yeah. I, I mean, probably, that Charles got all heated and hot. Probably. He's like, you know what? I'm going to write Andy a little letter. Yeah. And I'm going to have little comments and sub <laughs> comments to prove Well, it. that footnote, Andy, too, says this footnote. seems so much no. less complicated than the above and below game they currently attempt to describe. Okay, wow. Well, well so, so far, Charles, everything you've said, I agree with. As mentioned in a prior email, I enjoy the show, the banter and the education. Okay. All right, thanks, Charles. So okay, we get we finally got a compliment. On one of the Roth commentaries, Joe's went down this rabbit hole. T- <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, Actually, oh, it says rat hole. <laughs> oh, rat hole. Oh boy, that's worse than that's, a rabbit. That's hole. way worse yep. than a rabbit hole. <laughs> a rat hole. Oh my God. <laughs> About total taxes now versus later, thirty k now versus three hundred k later. He suggested paying a higher tax rate to convert now than would be needed in the future because of the enormous hypothetical growth. True. It was probably enormous hypothetical growth. (laughs) I feel he was mathematically wrong as a decision should be based on tax rate, not total tax. Okay. I agree with some of that. It's a time value of money thing. He did mention various extra fees. Did not. Oh, he did not mention various extra fees as one gets older. Social Security tax, Irma, et cetera, which might sway the decision. Yes, we've. I, I agree with that. Yeah, me too. But, you know, if we had to put in every caveat to everything that that someone writes. We wouldn't get through a question. We wouldn't get through a question. No, that's the problem. It would be the, the most problem. boring show in the And that's why it's called a spitball. Right. We're, it's not like we're a just, snatch a plan that we're going through everything with a fine tooth goal. We're just chatting it around the, on the bar still. God, he didn't mention that. I know I didn't. <laughs> And there might be 
emotion about future tax changes. I see some fear-mongling financial planners pushing convert it all. Plans using the same false math. Just saying. Regards. Charles. Well, well, Charles, th- there's definitely truth in what you're saying. But wh- one of the things we look at a couple of things we, we look at in many cases, not all in, in many cases, or at least some cat cases, tax rates are going up because people are in the same tax bracket in retirement and the tax rates are scheduled to go up in 2026. And furthermore, tax rates are near all time lows. So there's a concern they'll go up further. Furthermore, when you do the Roth conversions, you pay the tax now right instead and then you don't you didn't waste it spending it so if you think if you factor that now if the average person can then do a Roth conversion versus not and save the difference great the average person does not do that the average person spends what's in their checking account and so when you factor that in also you look at the assets you put in the Roth you put your higher expected return assets you probably end up better in a Roth but anyway I I mean mathematically that's a correct statement P.S. please say hi to Brian busted for me. Okay. We had a really nice conversation a couple of years ago when I had to answer a spam call. Oh, is Brian? He's just, he's not a spammer. He's just, yeah. He's just cold calling Charles. I just thought of the blue. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. In one show, you asked. Oh, God. These are, okay. these are the footnotes these that we already talked about. Yeah. I'm, I'm exhausted. You don't need to. <laughs> All right. Charles, well done. Thank you for calling us out there. Yep. Yep. But he still listens. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I felt this way, I would not listen. I probably wouldn't. Yeah. There's <laughs> many other financial shows out there that are better than ours. So go for it. Way better. Obviously, those five-year clocks are tricky. The point is, taking money out of your Roth at the wrong time could cost you. So make sure you understand the rules thoroughly before you make any withdrawals. If you're confused, even with Charles's clarification, we do have a free guide that can help. Learn the where, when, and how of taking money out of your Roth IRA by downloading the Guide to the Five-Year Rules for Roth IRA Withdrawals. It's an in-depth breakdown on how and when you can pull money out of your Roth IRA. Whether you're under or over age 59 and a half, when you make contributions and conversions, and the IRS order of Roth IRA withdrawals all play a part in whether or not you will be penalized. So this is one guide you want to keep handy. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes. You'll see the link to the guide just before the episode transcripts. Got Shane from Chester County, PA. Okay. What Shane got? I don't know. He's like, my wife is 42 and I'm 44. We're in about $350,000 a year and we'll continue to maximize Roth 401k with an average of 6% match. Sweet. Currently, account balances are about $500,000 Roth, $800,000 tax deferred, cash value pension of two hundred fifty, dollars which will continue to have contributions and growth, and about $50,000 after tax. All invested, low cost, broadly diversified funds. Our home is worth six hundred and fifty dollars with a $300,000 mortgage. Plan is to defer Social Security to FRA. Eliminating it... Estimating? Oh, I'm sorry. Estimating it is about $2,500 a month for each. Okay. In addition to above, my goal is to grow after tax over next decade to improve available cash for the first few years before turning 59. I expect to sell the house early in retirement and transition to renting and traveling. Well, this guy's dialed. Like it. Yep. He's 44. He's like. Already thinking about it. This one. When does he want to retire? 
He's saying that? He but, says his plan is to re- defer Social Security to full retirement age. Yeah. So that's when he's, he's planning. Rent. He's going to travel. He's going to yep. see the world. He's got. Well, he's talking about uh, he wants to improve his available cash in the first few years before turning 59. So, oh, no. actually, it's further early. down. He, he says his goal is to retire in 11 years when he turns 55. Oh, oh there we go. Okay. I just got to keep reading. Perfect. Yep. See the preparation I do for the show? Yeah. It's <laughs> top notch. That's the the beauty of the show. I know. It's just. It's spit, not like we study. It's spitballing. We just sit there and study. I mean, if you go to a this bar. Is, this is what we think. If you go to a bar and you're hanging out right. and you start talking about finances and all of a sudden some guy gives you like a textbook kind of boring ass answer, you're probably never going to want to talk to the guy again. Yeah. Or it's like you get this really cool question. You go, just a minute. Let me go to my car. Get a fire up the computer. I'll be back about a half an hour. Yeah, right. Let me Google. Hold on. Let me. Yeah, I need a, a full blown financial plan for this one. I was going to say, do you guys carry your HP 12C calculators with you? <laughs> I carry my I, HP 12C probably, uh, and then I have it on my phone. I've got them. You go phone. to cocktail but, parties yeah. and whip it out. <laughs> I have done that in the past. I don't really go to cocktail parties. <laughs> you, go, you, you, you play the, on the golf course, which is the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes I need that to <laughs> tally up my score. <laughs> got it. Um, do you go to cocktail parties? Not at all. Are no. you like a cocktail party kind of guy? No. Yeah, me neither. No, I don't know. I mean, it, we I spend time with friends and we have beer or wine or whatever. But yeah. yeah. You don't like to dress up and go to a little fancy house. That's not me. <laughs> that's I, I know people that like that. Yeah, and that's not I me. Know. I know the same guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we are thinking about the same guy. Uh, we have three kids, uh, 7, 10, and 15, that we will likely put through college before are very early or very early in retirement. We have 529 plans and we'll cash flow it. Nice. We may need to provide some continuing support for each for our special needs daughter. Okay. Our goal is to be able to retire in 11 years when I turn 55. I'm estimating that I'll need $150,000 in retirement when factoring in all above. We have a house full of pets. We drive a 2021 Honda Accord in a Kia Telluride. Your drink of choice is whiskey sour. And, uh, and mezcalita. Mezcalita from Chester County, PA. Just looking for a spitball. Any blind spots, risk that I'm missing? Okay. $150,000. He's going to receive. God, he's got uh, some work to do here. Yeah, let's see. Well, he's got about a million and a half now. Let's see. Couple Max out Ross plus match. So let's call that 60 grand savings, 11 years, 7%. Why don't we do that? Okay. One five, let's add 60,000, 7%, 11 years. Uh, I get 4.1 million. Is that what you get? I got 4.4, depending on when you count, started your compounding. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Well, okay. Let's just call it around 4 million. Okay. Okay. And then 150 is, I assume that's in today's dollars. What would that come out to be? For three percent is one thirty-two. So he's going to be short one fifty in eleven years at three percent. I'm guessing it's going to be close to two hundred grand. Yeah, I just got two hundred seven. So let's call it two hundred grand. So you got four million. You want to spend two hundred? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's uh, what is that? Four percent, right? Yeah. Okay. Four percent at fifty-five is is a little rich. However, he's going to yeah. social security. You got seventy thousand. You got five grand a month, right? Between the two of them plus cola. So. In all likelihood, probably be fine. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> if he could save a little bit more, 
work a year longer, spend maybe a little bit less. I mean, there's so, so many things that it's, you can toggle here. You know, you could work part-time a little bit here and there. Right. Yeah, I think. But he's going to sell his house too. Yeah, so there'll be more money rent. there, right? Right. So, so I, I think, that, Shane, there's a lot of ways to make this work. So I think, uh, you know, broad strokes, I think your plan is fine. Yeah. No, I like it as well. He's 44 and 42. They got a million and a half saved already. It's, it's amazing. Right. And, and if he can sock away, I mean, he makes a ton. They make a ton of money, 350,000 bucks a year. That's a lot. Yep. You know, so 350, 60,000 into 350 is. So they save about 17%. Maybe yeah. if you can get that to 20%. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Over the next 11 years, get that six, 7% rate of return. I yep. think it's all yep. good. Yeah, me too. Cool. All right. Good work, man. Thanks for the email. We got Nick from Ohio. He's a 48-year-old, longtime loyal listener. Well, Grand Cherokee driving Iris Settler dog owning W-Tour. A little W-Tour. Wow. That means he's an employee, not an employer. Yeah. Uh, Could you please provide some clarity on the adoption of the IRS rules compared to the government acts? As you know, the Secure Act 2.0 has over 92 provisions in that act. I didn't add them up, Nick, but thank you for that. (laughs) The IRS also has many rules, such as the Rule of 55. My HR Benefits Department said that the IRS Rule of 55 is not available to myself because it's not written specifically into our 401k plan. Question. Are employers required to adopt all 92 provisions of the new Secure Act 2.0, or are the employers going to pick and choose what provisions of the 92 that they specifically want in their 401k plan, like they do with the IRS Rule of 55? Love the show. Thanks again. Peace. Okay, what do you say? Good question. Yeah, good question. Yeah, it's the plan doc overrules the law. Yeah, always. And a lot of times the plan doc isn't even caught up with what the law is. And that's just unfortunate. That's the way it goes. So, yes. If 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 your employer doesn't want to say, you know, we're going to have the, if the plan doc is not, if they're not going to amend or adopt any of this, yeah, they might lose employees. Yeah. So, a a lot of employers usually try to update their plan documents every so often. I'm not sure how big of a company Nick works. He's a W-2-er. Right, right. So, yeah, I, I don't know either. Remember a few years ago, they the IRS, or I should say our government, Congress and Senate, mandated that you had to have the Roth option in a 401k, the Roth provision, yep, in a 401k, and no one had it, even though that was law. And it's like, what's up? Well, it, it, but the problem is they made the rule right before year end, so there wasn't enough time to do it. And then next year happened, and there wasn't enough time to set it up timely. So we spent whatever amount of time, even though that was the law, no one had it in their plans until they amended it. Right. IRA planning, 401k planning, things like that. When you go to 401ks, the IRAs, and when you're trying to do like a 72T tax election, or if you're taking RMDs from a 401k, if if a trust is a beneficiary, if you know, there's so many different kind of weird things with retirement accounts that is completely different than any other account. Unfortunately, it's up to the plan doc. You could be a master at the law, but if you don't have the actual plan doc to see how the plan doc was drafted, yeah, you know, because this is there, there, a lot of this is just boilerplate, right? The, the employer has to pay money to a, a third party administrator to set up the 401k plan. 
right? <clears throat> and then when they want to amend it and adopt different things and add different flavors, it costs money. And some employers don't necessarily want to spend the cash. And so, you know, you're kind of stuck with whatever plan doc that you're stuck with, but just be happy you got a plan. Yeah, be happy. Because yeah. I think what, right, there's still a large percentage of employers that don't even have a 401k plan. Yeah. And then if you don't have whatever provision you want in there, talk to your company, talk to your HR department, try to get it put in there. Yeah. Yeah. And have them listen to the segment. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe that might, it's just, <laughs> might, might just change their minds. Right. By the way, the rule of 55 that Nick mentions is the one that says that you can take money out of your 401k or 403b at your current job without penalty if you leave that job or separate from service in or after the year that you turn age 55. It's part of IRS code section 72T. But as Nick points out, the Secure Act 2.0 of 2022 contains a ton of retirement and tax-related provisions that make some fairly major changes to taxes and retirement planning. Download the Secure Act 2.0 guide from the podcast show notes to learn which changes that affect you are already in place, which are on the way, and how that's going to impact your required minimum distributions, Roth account options, catch-up contributions, student loan payments, emergency savings, and college savings. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app, go to the show notes, and download the Secure Act 2.0 guide for free. We got Stu from Claremont, and I'm not driving my Toyota Hybrid. To and from work, I enjoy a little rum and coke. But I'd like to relax watching a nice Stanley Cup playoff hockey game. Go Blackhawks. When did he send this? this oh, July just... 10th. <laughs> yeah, pretty recent. I suppose. I mean, the Stanley Cup playoffs end in probably May. June. So apparently that's the only time he drinks rum and Cokes All right. during Go the playoffs. <laughs> Gonna have to wait a while now. I've been to a Blackhawk game. Have you really? Yes. They were playing. Do the you Northside. like hockey? I do like uh, I like watching live hockey. I'm from Minnesota. He's from Minnesota. That's true. Yeah. Before my mother-in-law died five years ago, uh, my wife and brother-in-law took title of my mother-in-law's house because my brother-in-law wanted to keep using the house for several more years. Uh, Now my brother-in-law is done with the house. He's done with it. Okay. Doesn't want it anymore. Here. (laughs) You you take it. Just give me the money. Good. I'm done with this. And now he wants to sell it. It's valued at $2 million. Okay. So my wife should get at least a million dollars when he sells it. Last year, my wife, 53, and I, 55, had an AGI of 235000 bucks. I know you don't give actual advice, but is there anything you think we could do to help offset the looming tax bill when my brother-in-law sells the house and my wife gets a million dollars of the sale? Okay. Well, 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 when there when there is a gift, which is what happened here, then mother-in-law's tax basis then transfers over to who got the property, right? So, Stu, that's your brother-in-law and your wife. So, whatever that basis is, let's just say hundred thousand, just to make up a number, a, a nice low number. Which means if it's if it was bought for a hundred thousand, sells for two million, there's a one point nine million dollar capital gain. Presumably, you'd split it between the two of you because you own 50-50. Now, interestingly enough, if mother-in-law had kept the property until she died, there would have been a full step up in basis. She dies. It's worth whatever. Let's just say $2 million, even though it was a few years ago. And then you sell the property. Now it's no tax because $2 million sales price, $2 million cost basis, zero, zero. But at this point, let's just say you got a $1.9 million gain. 
for brother-in-law who I guess lived in it for two out of the last five years, right? And I think that's what is implying because brother in law used well, it. Well, he used it now he's I, done. I'm assuming he lived in it. <laughs> I, don't I don't know how it all yeah. use a house like that. Yeah. So so he lived in, in it and owned it for five years. So he but the he, sister's still on title though. I know. But, but he gets two fifty. He, he gets a two hundred fifty thousand dollar exclusion himself. Your wife, Stu, doesn't because I don't think she lived in the house, so it's all taxable. So what can you do at this point? Tax loss harvesting with other stock sales? I mean, it's there's not a ton here. Here's what I would be thinking about is that Stu's brother-in-law was using the house for five years. Right. So I would be like, hey, Stu, you know. How about some rent? <laughs> if we would have <laughs> sold the house when mom died, Oh, that it was a gift. Yeah. So I don't know what the appreciation is then. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Do, do you pass some of the tax to Stu's brother-in-law and say, yes. hey, here, I don't because you've used the house for five years and we didn't receive any compensation? I, I think the best you could hope for is if he underpaid rent, you could make that up to you know, Stu's wife, yeah. offset some of this. Here, here's the good news. The good, good news is- you got a million dollars coming. You got a million dollars coming Gross. and it's capital gains, which is a pretty decent tax. So let, let's not lose sight of this is an awesome thing, yeah. right? We're just trying to make it better. And once you have a capital gain, it's a capital gain. Unless you have other capital losses, like let's just say, Stu, you and your wife have a $50,000 stock loss from whatever. If you sold that position, that $50,000 loss would go dollar for dollar against this, call it $950,000 gain, which you would have, presumably. So that would be at least something. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you want to give to charity, you can do that to offset some of the gains. Yeah, you, you can potentially do that. I mean, there's things that you, that you can do, but basically it's a great gift. It's a low tax. You can sort of come up with a few little strategies to reduce the taxes a little bit, but there's not a ton you can do here, I don't think. All right. Hopefully that helps. We're Andy, George. Yeah, let's go to George. Well, Andy, Joe, and Al, thank you for sharing your knowledge about investing and planning for retirement. I feel like I'm, I've learned a lot by listening to you. I'm focused on saving for retirement. Playing catch up after life put me back to zero eight years ago. I'm now sixty, single, I have two hundred thousand in total investments, sixty forty split. With 50K in brokerage, 50K in Roth, and $100,000 in my workplace tax advantage retirement plan. I earn $55,000 a year and plan to work two to five more years. I save $20,000 a year. He makes $55,000, Al. That's, a, that's, a, that's good if you could do that. It's <laughs> a pretty, pretty good uh, savings rate there. Maybe that's, maybe that's net pay. I don't know how you do it after taxes. Yeah. Well, it's all pre-tax. Yeah. So uh, good for you. I will have a school system pension of $2,000 per month at retirement at 62. And it'll grow a little if I work a little longer. And I'll take Social Security at 67, which is also about $2,000 a month. I stand to inherit $450,000 soon. sixty k in inherited IRA, and the rest is in a trust. I will add the inherited IRA at my custodian, Fidelity and maintain a 60-40 allocation of U.S. and international stocks with a small value tilt, bond funds, and a little real estate allotment. This guy sounds like a CFB. He does, yeah. He's got a little small value tilt <laughs> I thought, right? and a little REIT maybe allotment. Listen to our show, maybe. My question, though, it's about the trust investments. 
which are now a mix of mostly fixed income, 80%, a few individual stocks, and some expensive stock funds. I have no interest in staying with the bank investment arm where the trust monies are now handled. And as I understand it, through some internet researches or searches, I can move the investments in kind to my Fidelity brokerage account. Does that sound right? My hope is to realign the mix to a 60-40 allocation after moving this inheritance to the brokerage account. That would mean selling all of the extraneous. Thank you. Expensive and repetitive <laughs> funds. The bank I bought for my deceased benefactor in buying a simple mix of index funds. Jeez. Okay. I could. It's going. Could you help me understand the inherited investments are handled on a step up in basis in what I should expect for tax consequence? Also, about half of the fixed income portion is in municipal bonds and the other individual bonds with maturity dates in the years to come. I obviously am not in a tax bracket that justifies municipal bonds, and I have no interest in buying and selling individual bonds now or in the future, but rather will always use the core bond funds. Do I lose money if I sell them early than the maturity date and try to keep my portfolio simple? I know a likely response will be to find a fiduciary financial planner to help me out. And I'd likely will be giving your firm a call for a consultation as well as checking with some others. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Don't even... Do some research. Yeah. Have to... Well, he's already given us a call. <laughs> We're going to answer his question. And then, and then we'll, we'll see. He'll see how we do. Exactly. We'll probably blow this thing probably. up. Now I'm getting nervous. <laughs> i got some business on the line here, Big Al. <laughs> Here, let me get a good Kleenex to dab, dab your yes. forehead. Uh, little, uh... Um, in checking with some others, when my nest egg grows substantially in a short time, but I enjoy handling my modest investments now and uh, see continue to do so as much as possible. Anyway, keep up the good work and look forward to hearing your response. George in Kansas. Okay. Okay, well, well, first of all, let's talk about when you inherit these assets. Uh, yes, you can move them to your Fidelity brokerage account in kind. That's not a problem. Easy peasy, full step up in basis. Yeah, full step up in basis means that whatever the value is uh, when the individual passes away becomes your new cost basis. So it doesn't matter if the investments were bought for 50000 right? Now they're 100000 Your cost basis is 100000 because that's what it would be worth, or that's what it was worth the date your um, your parent or whoever this is. The benefactor. Benefactor, thank you. I was searching for that word and it wasn't coming. Um, the date the benefactor passed away. Okay, so, that, so when you sell them, like let's say you sell them in the next week, there's no tax consequence, right? Unless the stock goes up or down in that week, right? So yeah, that's the good news about inheriting assets outside of a retirement account. You can sell those, you can rebalance, and there's no tax consequence at all. But we're assuming that it's just a revocable living trust. Yeah, and and it is. Okay. Because there was a side follow-up. Side, all right. follow if it was irrevocable. That's totally different. Yeah, totally different. Yeah, you're right. Good, good point. Yeah, so easy peasy, George. You you get the assets because you're the beneficiary. Yes. And then whenever the successor trustee settles the estate, you know, then that account will go into your name, and then from there you can just do a an eight cat transfer, 
you know, right into your Fidelity account. Yeah, and then investments go right over and you can sell them there. As far as the inherited IRA, so you can obviously buy and sell assets in that, that as well. There's no tax consequence, but you will pay taxes on that because all money coming out of IRAs is taxable, right? As ordinary. Income. Yeah, on the distribution. On the distribution. Yep. Yep. And you've got a, there's a 10 year period where that has to be distributed nowadays. All right. Uh, hopefully that helps. That's it for us again this week. Thanks for the questions. Thanks for the comments. You know where to go. Yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Click on that special offer. Click. That's no, Joe and Al. Yeah, what the hell am I talking about? Special, um, yes. You can click the special offer if you want, but if you want a question answered, then click Ask Joe and Al. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's it. Great job, Andy. Great job, big gal. That's fun. Yep. We'll see you next time. She'll cut your money or wealth. The day after tomorrow, Thursday, August 31st, is the last day to enter for your chance to win a $100 Amazon e-gift card and help us make YMYW the best financial podcast ever. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app, go to the show notes, access and complete the sixth annual YMYW podcast survey. The secret password is pure, P-U-R-E, all lowercase. U.S. residents only, no purchase necessary. Survey and giveaway close and winner chosen at 4 p.m. Pacific time, day after tomorrow, August 31st, 2023. Pet Peeves and Waffle House in the derails at the end of the episode, so stick around. Help new listeners find YMYW by telling your friends and neighbors and colleagues about the show and by leaving your honest reviews and ratings for your money, your wealth in Apple Podcasts and any other podcast app that accepts them. I just discovered a new one at podcastguide.us. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 and schedule a free financial assessment in person at one of our seven offices around the country or online at a date and time convenient for you no matter where you are. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. What's your biggest pet peeve, Big Al? Is that off the top of my head? I think people tailgating me. I, I don't like that. No. You drive slow as hell. Yeah. I go 30 miles at a 65. <laughs> you listen to like some island music. I must say some Hawaiian slacky just chilling out. What's your hurry, brother? <laughs> going 25 at a 65. I just don't get why it happens every single time I drive. Can you explain that to me? <laughs> Andy, you got a little pet peeve? Let's hear about yours. I, I got to think about that. No. Well, no, you have to do it off the top of your head. That's what oh, I Oh, geez. Uh, the first thing that I thought of was the word perturbed. Ooh. I hate that word. Perturbed. She hates the we, we Let's not say it. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I am so, I am. I don't think I've ever said that. No, but we know not to now. No. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of like the word delicious. Why? Or, I don't know. Or like scrumptious. Well, no, well, no, no it's scrumptious. No, it says scrumptious anymore. <laughs> That's a Minnesota word. I don't know. No. Uh, so anyway. All right. Have you, I mean, we go to Waffle House. You know what? That was scrumptious. <laughs> Waffle House. <laughs>
<laughs> Al, have you ever been in a Waffle House? Come on now. Yeah, yeah yesterday. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Do they have anything vegan at Waffle House? <laughs> I, I don't know. See, this was part of the hike I did. The, see, I, I took the long way. I took the I did the 4,000 foot climb, but you end up at the top of the tram where there's a Waffle House. And then we kept hiking. Now, my lovely wife, Annie, she didn't hike up. She took the tram up and had a waffle. Perfect. Yep. And I'm sure it was scrumptious. <laughs> and I was a little perturbed. She didn't say <laughs> Joe, why did you bring up pet peeves? Certainly, you've got to have one. All right. We'll continue on. <laughs>